Welcome to Kipper and Born, January 4th, 2022. JB, we're supposed to tee up a McDavid versus Austin Matthews on the big Wednesday game of the week on Sportsnet, and we're not sure who's going to show up in this lineup. So we've got a tough, tough road ahead of us and who's in and who's out. Uh, but we don't have a tough two hours coming up because we're jam-packed. Uh, we got Dom Moore, NHL analyst. Uh, he's going to join us later on. And at the top of the hour, Jack Campbell. What a story this has been for the Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender. Once upon a time, a first round draft choice, 11th overall, 2010. And his road to become a legitimate number one goaltender in the National Hockey League. He's coming up, and we're going to hear that story from the man himself, Jack Campbell. EJ Raddick, also analyst for the NHL Network. We'll get a feel of uh, what's going on around the National Hockey League through EJ's eyes. But JB, top of the story, no Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. no Austin Matthews. Tomorrow night, is that a possibility? Is is there anything more NHL in 21-22 than it's the Oilers, it's the Leafs, we're not sure who's playing. Like, how do you sell it? It's, you know, Matthews is uh, sounds like, so he tested negative on a PCR test. So he is likely to be eligible to play tomorrow night. They, they did another PCR waiting for the result on that. But yeah, McDavid held out, uh, was positive on a rapid test. Derek Ryan held out also positive on a rapid test for the Oilers. With Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, out as well, Kipper, the Oilers at center are thin. I mean, I, I don't even know who's going to, I think it's Derek Ryan and Ryan McLeod, or sorry, Ryan McLeod, Colton Sevier, Devin Shore, like their centerman depth is just non-existent. We can confirm that Tippett just said that McDavid has tested positive. Okay. He will not be in the lineup against the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, as Justin Bourne just alluded to, we will wait uh, for a final verdict on a PCR test out of Austin Matthews to see if he is eligible to be in the lineup. But this couldn't have come at a worse time for the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll, we'll get into that a little later. I think we're we're going to go to Luke Fox, our Leaf uh, reporter. Uh, we're working on getting him just to get uh, a feel of what he got JB out of out of practice today and 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 in terms of uh just that that overall feel of second to second not knowing where this road bends it's true no it's uh it is really uncertain i will say though like if you're one of these teams that's kind of having surprise covid cases don't you just kind of want to get it out of the way like i know that's a, a terrible uh, you know suggestion but, like, the Leafs timed a lot of their COVID cases pretty well, did they not? You know, over so, the break, over the pause? I want to say yes on the surface of what you're saying, but let's not forget that when you test positive and you come out, you've got 90 days that you're not tested. Mm-hmm. So we know the Leafs are going to be clear, a majority of them, for, for 90 days, but then you're right oh, back no. into it oh, no, that's at playoffs. the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. you want it in February, I guess. My, my, my whole point is yeah. you really want it in April 
well, if, if, if you want to, if you well, want to yeah. do the 90 day, uh, the math. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're shooting for the stars here, it's, uh, <laughs> you gotta time this goal getting COVID thing here. They really got to plot that out. They need a staff to decide when to get COVID as a team. We're, we're not doctors. We're not pretending to be on, <laughs> on a podcast not. here. So, um, let's, let's throw it to Luke Fox here and, and, and make him the doctor here. Luke, what are you hearing? Oh, <laughs> I'm hearing someone call me a doctor, which I'm not. But uh, uh, what I'm hearing is uh, our big Wednesday night game could be without uh, two of the best players on the planet. Um, you know, Connor is, is uh, tested positive. Austin tested positive. Uh, where it stands right now is they're both undergoing further tests. Austin had a negative PCR after the positive rapid um so he's undergoing another round um and we should know tomorrow morning and and connor we're waiting to see uh what the deal is with him too um and you know as everyone knows austin matthews has had COVID before um but you know he he dodged the the omicron strain that that ran through uh the roster like wildfire over the christmas break and um the way COVID has hit the leafs at this point has kind of been a good news story in that they didn't really miss any games. Um, the funny thing is that game against Ottawa, Ottawa was the first time they had every single forward healthy and they had to make Nick Rilke, uh, Richie a healthy scratch. Um, but you get one healthy game and, and here we are. Um, that's, that's the world we live in. How, how, like, what percentage of the Leafs have had it now? Like, it feels like every name that we talk about and discuss regularly have been through it. Obviously, you don't have, I don't think you have hard numbers in front of you, but, you know, are we at 50% of the team has been through uh, getting COVID this season? Oh, no, I think it's like 75%. Okay. And then, and then you got over 20 Marlies that have, have been through it. And this is all within the second half of December until now. Um, and the bummer, I guess, is that Timothy Lilligren was the last guy uh, to get it, and he came out and was practicing yesterday, and it looked like they were going to be free and clear, but then Austin submitted that test. And we should note that um, assistant coach uh, Dean Chanus um, is a confirmed positive. Uh, Both uh, him and Austin are asymptomatic, but uh, Chanus is a confirmed positive, so he won't be on the bench. And that's the other thing. Most of the, the coaching staff has got it too, right? Sheldon Keith went through this as well. Um, so there's a very, you could count on one hand, I think, maybe the guys who haven't. Michael Bunting is one guy that's escaped it so far. And he was talking about, you know, there's a bit of a, a stress that goes along with being one of the only guys that hasn't had yeah. it on the team. Because every time you submit a test, you're, you're on pins and needles, Michael Bunting was saying, that thinking like you're going to, it's going to show up positive and you're going to have to sit out and miss a, miss a few games. And it's not just the games that you miss. It's getting the legs and the timing back, um, you know, after you miss those games. Like John Tavares was sticking around after practice taking extra shots today just because, you know, he hasn't been on the ice very much in the last month. So um, it takes some time to get, get back in the flow of things. Hey, Luke, uh, the other day Justin and I were talking about uh, the challenges w- with a, a cap team which we have is the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and what this has done to juggling that cap and, and uh, the thought that uh, they might have to unload or send down. Uh, you hearing much talk of that uh, in, inside the rink? No, the, I mean, the, the, the talk mostly is we'll take it day by day and, and we'll wait till our hand is absolutely forced. I mean, 
the taxi squad helps a little bit, um, you know, but the, the fact that they are pretty short, right? Like Andre Kasha, um, who we haven't mentioned, he streamed something in the gym right before going out. So they had Alex Diega up as a forward. Um, you know, they're kind of carrying the bare minimum of guys day to day because they're so close to the cap. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that, you know, when we talk to Kyle Davis about it, he, he seems to be like, we'll cross those bridges when we come to it. Um, but I, I think something something's going to have to give here before the uh, the trade deadline. Um, you'd like to think so. And then you, you also have to plan for, for the future. I mean, the way Jack Campbell's playing, he pitched another shutout on the weekend. I mean, the guy's been phenomenal. Um, and, you know, you, you'd have to think that this team wants to pay this guy and keep him in the fold just – how well he's fit in and, uh, you know, how, how well he's played. And he's proving that he's a number one guy now. Nice job, Luke, teeing up uh, Jack Campbell, who's going to be on the Real Kipper and Bourne show uh, at the top of the hour. We're looking forward oh. to that. Now, did I hear you correct? Kasha strained something coming out of uh, a workout or, or a gym and, like, yeah, really? Really? Yeah. Well, that, that's that's what we were. That's what Sheldon Keith told us. I, I take him at his word. I mean, Casher is the kind of guy that goes all out, whether it's in the gym or on in he the corners or in the net. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, Sheldon he, should stop doing that. Sheldon, make something up better than that one. I, I, if that is true, I'm not letting that get out. That's like that's like pulling a muscle, tying your shoelace or something. I don't. I don't understand. You think it's like embarrassing that 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 got out? <laughs> I just, I just can't believe the the, the luck of this guy. You know, oh. he's got uh, this great, yeah. you know, rebound career going, and uh, you know, I slipped on a banana peel. I, <laughs> I, I just, I, I hope it's nothing serious. And all kidding aside, um, yeah, I hope for Lee fans, he's he's fine. Luke, do you yeah. expect? Oh, go he's ahead. missed a few. Pra- oh, I was going to say he's missed a few practices, um, but then he's never gone for too long. Like the, the guy is a warrior. I have to hand it to him. He, he, he is like you know he wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's he's giving it his all. He's playing like this is his last chance to really stick and, and make a name for himself and stick it in the NHL. Like I, I admire the way Cash has approached this season. For sure. And, you know, one thing that I'm curious about, another person who's had a good approach despite worse results is Nick Ritchie. We talked about him quite a bit yesterday. Um, Any expectation on what's to come with him here? I think it's, you know, he's got a couple of months before the trade deadline. He can still work his way back into a a role with the team. But it sounds like when Sheldon Keefe talks about him that he's been happy with his play so far. Well, it's it's one of those. It, it almost feels like he's protesting too much, right? Like right. he he goes he goes out of his way uh, to pump this guy's tires, and I think he's just trying to get his confidence up. I I know it's been it's got to be hard for the guy mentally. You're coming off a a season in which you pot fifteen, and then you don't get your first till right before Christmas. Like uh, it, it's been a, a trying adjustment for for Nick Ritchie. So I think you know the. Uh, Sheldon keeps kind of uh, using, uh, not using the, the whip, right? He's, he's using the carrot. Um, so even when he was talking post-game Saturday about the decision to help him scratch, he went out of his way to say how hard he's working in practice and this is not a, uh, a condemnation on how he's been playing and we really like the, the effort he's putting in, but we had to scratch somebody. Um, but it, I think, you know, the fact that 
the one game where you got a full complement of forwards and that's the guy you scratch and you look at a left winger like Mikheyev who jumps in the lineup and, and scores two goals within two games and Richie's had 30 games and he's got one. Um, kind of shows you uh, where this guy is at in the lineup. Like this is this is a, a bottom bottom six guy at best. Um, you know, there's just there's just some competition there. And Mikheyev's kind of uh, after his setback uh, after the thumb surgery is coming out of the gates flying. You know, getting a power play, getting some power play time, looking deadly on the penalty kill. I mean, you know, you have to start performing if you want to stick here. Luke, be careful. Leaving the building, do not slip, and we need you, man. We need you. <laughs> I could tweak something at any point, Kipper. Thanks for doing this, Luke. Okay, have thanks, a good show. Thanks, Luke. Luke's, Luke Fox from Sportsnet. Uh, the, can you imagine now JB being Dave Tippett, coming off that loss against the Rangers, needing a win, and not seeing 97 Oh, the universe is conspiring against him right now, isn't it? What did you make of uh, Edmonton's recent loss? Well, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, Tippett was was pretty, I want to say, unreserved in his post-game comments, um, but he was, was reserved in that he didn't want to say much. The one thing that did stand out is his comment. Let's play his comment on uh, the goaltending, which he was not shy to, to point the finger at. Starts in this for this team, you know, they get you know, they get a power play early in the first period, they don't score on it, but they score about five minutes into the game. Then, about this, three, what, do you, yeah. what do you want to do? Like, what do you I mean? It's, it's a brutal it, mistake, it, it's a brutal mistake. What are you gonna do? Yeah, right? Call it what it is. <laughs> We're playing well, it's a brutal mistake. Call it what it is. The season frustrations happen through a course of a season, teams go into slumps and whatnot. This is extended now for about a month. Um, how do you think the guys are handling it? Uh, I think there's a lot of adversity here, learning a lot about our team. Gone through a lot of injury issues and COVID issues, and um, we haven't played as well as we'd like to as a group. So there's lots to improve on. JB, really surprised to hear Tippett uh, go after Koskinen. Are you? He's he, Yeah, I am, because... He's not. I'm not. Typically, I followed him over his career. He usually doesn't do that. Yeah. That's that's the surprise, not this situation, or you know his his brutal honesty, but just he's not typically that type of coach that would mm. do that. Now, if you want to do talk torts or you know others that have had uh, that you could read the tea leaves on post game comments over the years. Not, not Tippett. I think it just goes to show you how frustrated he yeah. is with the goaltending. And although he took it out on Kostinen, I, I, I'm not sure that it, it just the, the message just ends on Kostinen. I really believe that could have been a message to to Ken Holland. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, to me, Kipper, that's backs against the wall stuff. To me, you know, you're you you hear what's going on in the media. You know, Elliot Friedman mentions your name. And you start responding differently to negative news about your team and your team's performance. And when it's simple as we need a damn save out there, I think you start to say you need a damn save. And I understand that that play wasn't just a pure save, but that to me, it's a guy who's feeling pressure, scrap pushing back against the narrative that his team isn't playing well. 
Um, but yeah, to, to make a mention to the GM too, like we, we got to do something better here. God, it's tough not to flash back to the summer where they didn't get Jacob Markstrom, who's now, you know, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL would sure go a long way for the Oilers. Wouldn't he? To get uh, a sense of maybe the importance of tomorrow night's game. Uh, I heard that Ken Holland's on his way to Toronto and we'll take the game in. Uh, I don't think he was in New York. Um, and I'm not even sure if he was in, in COVID recently or not I, i'm not mm-hmm. sure that status but uh i believe that ken holland will be in town to watch this game uh, we heard craig simpson uh yesterday on our show talking about the next two games and what it could mean and i i had i had a few texts with uh you know people that i trust um and uh just their opinion not yeah you know not their their sense of information or the ability to, you know, think something's going to happen, but people are, are are looking at the Edmonton Oilers thinking that that last night might be a, a showing of a team that's kind of given up much like the Vancouver Canucks gave up on Travis green. You know, it's so hard for a guy like Tippett then, you know, how are you going to judge Dave Tippett and what happens in Toronto when you're minus your three top centers, like you're going to be the best coach in the world. You could be Bruce Brudrow, the best coach on planet Earth, apparently. And it doesn't make a difference. If you don't, if you don't have three, your top three centermen, it's impossible yeah. to look good. So, uh, you know, ho- hopefully there's not too much stock in that. You know, you, you can dial it out and say, well, what has he done with the Oilers? Has it been different than before him? Has anything changed? If you're, if you're not going to blame the GM, the coach hasn't done more with a very similar roster. So you, you can make that complaint, I guess. Yeah. I'm just surprised how quickly it's happening here or seems to be happening. Well, again, just just getting the vibe and the feel off of Tippett's comments last night. And it's almost as a, it's like just those words. Call it what it is. Like, call it what it is. And that is a guy that's maybe been crying for a goaltender for a lot longer than maybe just the last few games. You know what? Yeah. Just. I got a stat for not, you, Kipper. Not, not, let me just finish this thought. Not to take away anything that Mike Smith has been able to scratch and claw, you know, recently, but to bring him back. <laughs> On a two-year deal, JB, not even a one-year deal, a two-year deal at his age and the bumps and the bruises and the wear and tear on him. And, of course, he comes back after months off and then is back out of the lineup. Like, to put all your eggs in that blue paint Mm -hmm. on Mike Smith, that was a very... I don't want to say bad decision, but the odds of Mike Smith carrying out a, a another great year for you were not no. in your favor. No, they weren't, were they? And you know what it felt like? It felt like they were left standing in musical chairs. There was a ton of goalies going around. Mrazek ends up in Toronto, you know, Darcy Kemper and all, you know, all these names moved at the same time. Grubauer ends up going to Seattle. All these names go somewhere. And and it was like Ottawa or sorry, Edmonton kept looking for a seat. And they were like, ah, I guess we'll do Mike Smith again. Like it felt like they were resigned to it. And the, the biggest knock against Ken Holland right now would be that everybody loves Zach Hyman as a player. No question. Right. And 
you know, the, the thought right off the bat was it's a good signing. It'll be too long on the term. You're going to regret it down the road, but for the next few years, he's a depth guy. You added some more, made Connor McDavid happy, but that five, five should have been addressed in net first before it went to Zach Hyman. That's that's what you're going to start hearing now. Could you have done six point whatever for Markstrom to make it happen? Like it was that important to the integrity of, you know, for McDavid and Dreisaitl trying to win a cup. You just had to have a guy like that. Uh, and they should have spent that money there. The the stat I was going to give you before was just that Koskinen has been in net for uh, the Oilers for 60 expected goals. He's given up 61. He's been pretty average for them. It's not just goaltending. Sure, their goaltending has not been good. I understand it's not been good. But Koskin is not the sole reason this team is where they is in the, where they are in the standings. You know, one thing that I looked at today, if you go through the uh, their cap-friendly page, and on cap-friendly it tells you guys who are signed, guys who are drafted, how they acquired their guys. All of their guys that they've been signed, that they signed as UFAs is just miss after miss after miss. For, for Toronto, it's Kasha and it's Spezza and it's Camp and it's Bunting and it's guys they use. For the Oilers, it's guys like, you know, Shore and Sevier and Perlini and Turris and it's just, you know, CeCe, Barry, all those signings are where they miss Kipper. They've spent yeah. poorly as free, yeah, on free no. agents. You're right, and that's where Kyle Dubas should get a ton of credit for adding depth at a minimal price. For sure. And and that's where it stands. But I, I can't argue your points, JB, on on it's more than just goaltending, but it starts it does. in net. And, you know, it's not helping Dave Tippett when you've watched the Vancouver Canucks turn it right around with just a coaching change. No, it's not That's, helping him. It's not helping. But what is the biggest difference between Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver and perhaps the next coach going in for the Edmonton Oilers? Is it vibes? Is the answer vibes? No. <laughs> Demko. Oh. Demko. Oh, that's, that's significantly it. more uh, tangible answer. That's it. Yeah. Just th- at least Bruce Brujo had a legitimate goaltender who has shown flashes last year and has shown that he's capable of being a number one goalie in the National Hockey League in Demko. And that's what's missing in Edmonton. I think Demko's one of the best three in the league. Ah, that was much. Top five. I think he's one of the five best in the league. So I don't think you're that far off he's so right good. now. So for Kenny Holland, I mean, he is, they're at a crossroads. He's making major, major decisions on the coach. Are they making a massive trade trying to get a goalie in there? And as I mentioned, you're going into Toronto, who is not maybe 100% healthy, but awfully close. Toronto's at home. They're on a nice roll. Uh, and you don't have your top centers. I think Edmonton is in tough, and that's not helping Tip either. Wow. I thought Ottawa got shellacked Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's in store? Sports are stupid. Edmonton's going to win 6 nothing this time. I don't know. But, no, it, it doesn't look good for the Oilers, no doubt. New York Rangers waxing the Edmonton Oilers 4-1 last night at Madison Square Garden, and uh, – well, let's get into a little bit of the Rangers after the break. We got Dominic Moore, NHL analyst, uh, coming up right after that. And then, top of the hour, Jack Campbell. Love it. Turning into a bit of a legend here. Legend of soup. Who doesn't love a little positivity? He's, he's a ray of sunshine. <laughs> he's got a long way to go, though. 
True. Before he can hit that status, and that includes winning when it counts. But we'll get into that with Jack later on, and then EJ Raddick in the second hour. Tons still left on the Real Kipper and Bourne show after the break. The breaking news, Connor McDavid, according to head coach Dave Tippett, out with COVID. That's all I got to say, JB. Well, it's a significant thing you said there. The Oilers are at a crossroads, and they're missing the most important human on earth in the hockey world. It's got to be it. Is he the most important human in the NHL? (laughs) (laughs) He almost single-handedly drove the Olympic bus here. He is the face. No one will argue that. Although Ovi has something to say about that in the next uh, 12, 18 months, I think. Watch Ovi win the Art Ross. I'd love it. <laughs> All right. Show. We got Dominic Moore. Dom, how are you, buddy? Doing well, Kipper. How about you? We're hanging in there, man. We're just uh it's the twists and the turns. Like sands in the hourglass, and so are the days of the National Hockey League. <laughs> How poetic. Wow. <laughs> Where are you? He's these quoting days soap in... operas. <laughs> yes. I I am. I That's am. Where is. are That's you? That's what it is. The NHL season is like a soap opera, right, Barney? Yeah, exactly. Where are you and happy new year, pal? Thanks. Yeah, we're uh we're doing good. I'm in Boston. We're uh we've got I've uh, got my next game in San Jose next Tuesday, so I'll be making the trek across the country for that one. Uh but happy new year to both of you. Okay, so let's let's stick along uh, that that east coast of yours, and and we watched a, a New York Ranger where we woke up and found them the number one team in the National Hockey League, and uh, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming, Dom. Gosh, I keep waiting for the Rangers to start dropping, and they just don't, and I keep thinking it's going to come, and you know they just I got to hand it to Gerard Gaunt and. He's got them playing very confidently. But the thing for me, Kipper, is that I felt like last year they just find, found ways to beat themselves. And we, we've always kind of agreed that they've, they've had a high-skilled team. But it seems like this year they're not making those little mistakes that were actually big mistakes that cost them games over and over again. And so their skill is kind of you know rising to the top now. I don't know how it looks to you guys, but that's what I take from it. Yeah, for sure. And obviously it doesn't hurt having some uh, pretty otherworldly goaltending. You know, when when trying to, I don't know, assign credit for all the success they have, I've thought about Gallant and the great coaching, or is it just positivity? You get that positive snowball rolling or straight goaltending. Where it deserves the most credit, is it with Gallant and what he's done with that group? For me, it is. I mean, I think a lot of times the goaltending is a result of the coaching, and I think you know, the Islanders are a good example of that, right? Like, it's, it always seems like Barry Trotz's goaltenders are, you know, amazing every season. And he's such a good defensive coach. His systems are so good. Everyone buys in, notwithstanding this year. But I feel like Barry Trotz, you know, always makes his goaltenders look good. I'm not taking, you know, all the credit away from the way Shesterkin has played. He has been phenomenal, especially, I feel like, in the first 10, 15 
especially 10 games a season, like he stole some games, flat out stole some games that they deserved to lose. Uh, but I think, you know, since then, they've really cleaned up their defensive game. Again, not making those little mistakes. And then I feel, I feel like Gallant's the kind of coach that he's got such a pulse for the emotional state of the team, and he's really managing that well. Um, and, you know, an example of that is, like, they, they're near the bottom of the barrel in terms of face-offs, but he hasn't focused on it. He hasn't drawn too much attention to it. I think he just... He just wants to keep everyone positive, keep everyone confident on the things they are doing well. Obviously, learn from their mistakes, but uh, he seems to have that pulse for the energy of the team. We're joined by Dominic Moore, NHL analyst. Uh, I, I want to go back. Well, even even last night, I'm watching Ryan Strom, um, and what a hockey player he's turned out to be uh, for the New York Rangers. Uh, heart and soul type of guy. And in his post-game comments, he's talking about... Uh, how these guys now are able to kind of hold each other accountable on the bench in the dressing room. And they just look and feel like a tight knit group. And I just wonder if we go back to that, uh, that episode with Tom Wilson, where in many ways, maybe Tom Wilson did them a huge favor because they felt that they were called out. They felt like they weren't tough enough. They felt like they didn't stick together enough. And it was almost as if that moment, as 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 led to the the big turnaround. Uh, I'll get your thoughts, Dom, and then yours, JB. Gosh, it's such an interesting you know framework you put around it, and I, I definitely think there's a lot of truth to it, Kipper. And that was a that was a major moment for that team. It was so high profile a situation. There were so many eyeballs that connected the the success or lack thereof of the Rangers to that to that moment, the, the, the decisions they made uh, in that moment to change course rather abruptly. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, obviously, Ryan Reeves is brought in. I think, they, you know, they want to change the identity there to a large degree, but also he was a player that uh, Jared Gallant knew very well um, and trusted him and, you know, knew he could play that role well. Um, but there's, I think there's more to it at the, under the surface. There's, there's been really good surprises there. Guys like, you know, Dryden Hunt, he's been re- very effective. Uh, you know, he's played up and down the lineup. He's been really good. Strom, uh, you mentioned, you know, he's doing a lot of these little things right, I think, this year, and he's made an impact. Obviously, Fox somehow continues to get better. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone thought he would – you know, build on what he did last season. I think there are a lot of people who thought he couldn't keep up what he did last season. So uh, who knows? But I, I do think there's definitely some element of truth to the way you frame that. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, Kipper, you, you look at that feeling you get when you are when you go to war with your buddies and, you know, I think about big line brawls or whatever, just that the common dislike of someone out there. There is sort of something bonding about that. And, you know, the Rangers have seemed to have added a little bit of a physical element, and Reeves obviously is a part of that, but Goodrow is a part of that too. They're adding this sort of other part piece to their game. You know, I wanted to stick in the east side to east coast too there and talk about Boston because somewhat related to that, you know, the Rangers are a top 10 team, top 7 team in in, uh, fighting this year. The Bruins used to kind of have that reputation as a tough team. I don't think they're that anymore. They're, they're a bottom five team now in, in majors and fighting and getting involved in all that sort of stuff. 
What, what's up with the Boston Bruins? They've won a couple hockey games in a row now, but they're still 14th in points percentage in the NHL. What do you make of that team? Are they tough enough? Are they are they good enough to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Oh boy! Uh, I mean, you talk to people in Boston, and there's there's all kinds of uh, explanations for. I don't think anyone knows. Most of all, the Bruins. They've just been trying to figure it out. Um, last last year, I think people saw that their defensive depth was an issue. Uh, the, the D, you know, were injury prone. So as soon as Brandon Carlo went down, Grizzlick went down, it was the whole load was shouldered by Charlie McAvoy, and, that, and they crumbled uh, after that. Um, so knock on wood, they've been relatively healthy. Uh, you know, on the back end, it's the secondary scoring uh, that's been their issue. Uh, and they brought in kind of all these guys that they thought really could shore that up. I, I still think, though, that there's a lot of runway left here for the Bruins to right the ship. And I feel like the Bruins always build their teams for the playoffs, not for the regular season. And they've got guys like Felino, Coyle, even Halla and Noshek that are more kind of grinding offensive players, not kind of wide open ice skill type offensive players. So I, I do feel like if they can just get in, uh, which they're right there, uh, and if they get Tuca back, I wouldn't count them out so soon. So they're they're definitely a team that's built for the playoffs. Uh, Swayman would not need to uh, go through waivers uh, to be sent down. Uh, Tuca Rask, we think, is on the horizon here. Uh, Can he save this season for them? Can he get them uh, in, in a playoff spot? My understanding is if he, if he signs, it would, it sounds like it'll be a minimal contract just to, just to get him in. That's, that's what it seems like. And it's obviously not a foregone conclusion that someone as experienced as he is, can just step right in middle of the season and, and play lights out. Um, the benefit you would think is that, He's emotionally uh, in a better place. He's well-rested mentally, uh, which we know is, is not always been a given for Tuco. We saw the way he left the bubble, um, you know, and, and so having an invigorated Tuca Rass could be a huge step up for them, uh, but it's not a given. No, not by any stretch. The, um, you know, the trend that you know Boston has gone through, but so many teams have gone through this season is just because of COVID protocols, teams are randomly losing players. You don't know on a given day who's going to be in, in your lineup. You know, you're not that far removed from playing yourself. I wanted to get a sense for the mindset of, of a player, you know, as a role changes. You're a centerman one day, you're a winger the next, you're playing eight minutes one day, the next day you're on the second line because guys are out. You know, what is it like? <laughs> what, what would it be like changing that mindset day-to-day as a player? Yeah, I mean, I, I played the, a role that was versatile, and, and so I, I kind of got used to that. Right. The, you know, one day I'd be playing with, with Rick Nash, and the next day I'd be playing with Tanner Glass, and you just got to do your thing. And uh, I think it's I think it's a matter of, for, in some cases, it's a tremendous opportunity. If you're a depth player that all of a sudden is playing with skilled players and getting more ice time, it's a chance for you to show what you can do, particularly for these young guys. Uh, so in some ways, it, it, has the, it has the chance to drive energy with, into the group uh, for guys getting an opportunity. 
On the other side, it can take energy away where there's so much uncertainty, um, guys coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, we saw, you know, CC talking about that in Edmonton, and that's more so based on their struggles, guys coming in and out of the lineup. But there's a bit of a feeling of uncertainty. Who's going to play tonight? You know, guys second-guessing themselves and, and their teammates, and that's not a healthy spot to be in either. Uh, you're, just, you're talking about the Edmonton Oilers right now, aren't you? Exactly. Exactly. Just uh, the the feeling that uh, no McDavid tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe the score was a little bit flattering for Edmonton last night against the Rangers, JB. But uh, we've watched McDavid and Drysaddle kind of own it for the majority of the season, and we were talking about. 170 point seasons right. and 60, 70, 80 goal seasons. And now, JB, was it you that was telling me they're just uh, a point a game, maybe the yeah, last 12 points in 12, 12 games? Like, that's that's ordinary. They can't be ordinary, these guys. I mean, I don't know. I, I, there, there was a game. I think it was the New Year's Eve game, uh, Oilers-Devils. And it was as bad as it gets. I mean, McDavid had two goals. Mm-hmm. But it, the overtime goal, it was like McDavid and Dreisaitl, two horrendous turnovers. And then McDavid just kind of gave a whole ton of room uh, to Jack Hughes, who, you know, kind of they just left Mike Smith out to dry. Smith had made, like, two or three breakaway saves uh, to keep them, you know, squared. And I don't know what to, to make of it all. You know, it's potentially there's, there's more talk about McDavid and Dreisaitl trying to improve their game away from the puck and defensively, and that's taking away from their offense. But I, I don't think that's the explanation. It, I don't know. What, what do you guys make of it? Well, I think there's really, there's kind of two options the way I see it. One is that they're just tired. You know, they're just, they're the only guys every night. They put them on the ice for 22, 23 minutes, and it's a, there's a lot of hockey. But we are just off the break, so that doesn't make sense. You don't think there's anything to the idea of quitting on a coach or not wanting, it's nothing like that. Would it be? I, I don't see it. I, you know, I don't see that being the issue. I Obviously, their 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 goaltending has been a question mark. Um, you know, Smith has not been healthy. Looks like he's not healthy again, even though he came back. And Koskinen has been as inconsistent as it gets. And and I think we all know when you have inconsistent goaltending, it really it really affects the team's mindset because they just don't have that trust back there. Um, so that that's obviously a big factor for me. But I I do think that. I I was one of the people saying that they were the most improved team in the league with some of their off-season additions. And I think the, for the most part, those additions have been playing great. Um, mentioned CC Hyman's been really good in all the, all the games that I've seen him play. Uh, so I still think there's time for them, but I, I can't put my finger on what they need to do. You know, it's such a easy thing to say, quitting on a coach and – you know, it's just it's it's just not black and white. And I no. often tell Dom people don't don't confuse quitting on a coach with maybe uh, quitting on um, the message or the belief. And quitting doesn't necessarily mean that you've stopped trying, or you know your your efforts not there, 
or you don't care whether you win or lose. But if you stop believing in a philosophy or a, a message or a system, then a, a coach is sunk anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's well put. But, I, you know, you also have to think about this This is the first full season that we've played in two years. Uh, and as a player, you know, we've been through it. And Kipper, there's, every team has these, these, like, you know, I don't know what it's, two or three-week stretch where it seems like it can't get any lower. And then it does. And and it's every team goes through it, and it's how you manage it that I feel like you can either get better from it and strengthen as a team, or you can get worse and have it have it derail your entire season. Um, so I feel like that's the moment that the Oilers are in. It's a challenge. It's a test for them, and we'll see how they respond. As a general thought, Dom, did you ever find that there was just parts of the season where you were typically better or worse? I, I'm just—I remember Leon Draisaitl went through a skid in December. Was it last year? It might have been the year he won MVP, where he was like minus twenty. He just had like a terrible December. That time of the year just didn't work for him. Did you feel that there were typical ebbs and flows throughout a season where you were better or worse uh, on a consistent basis year to year? Excellent question. I think that um, I think that closer to the holidays for me was actually like before and after the holidays. I feel like my game. I don't know if the stats would bear this out, but. I feel like my game would pick up because you know you're getting a break coming up, mm-hmm. and and then you're you know you're a little more refreshed after that break, and then you know you've got another break coming up at the All Star break, um, and then I think towards the end of the season, you know that playoffs are coming up, the motivation is clear, you know, you, you, the the end is in sight in terms of the regular season, so there's a finish line. Uh, so those, for me, were kind of like the two areas where I feel like my game would pick up. And then playoffs, for sure, um, just the magnitude of the games, uh, the level, intensity, I feel like my game would always pick up then because those are the most fun games to play. Dom, throughout your career, I'm not, I'm not sure how many coaching changes you went through, but you know, once a player feels like, whatever I do, I can't win this coach over. And... You know, the the one thing that you're starting to get real clear of again last night is there's a lot more than Dave Tippett probably hates than just his goaltending right now. And, <laughs> you know, if that's the case, then you do make a coaching change for the sake of making one. If it does anything, it it may take your bottom six and at least give them a, an opportunity that they can they can win somebody over. I mean, is there any time in your career you felt like a coach didn't like you, and then, boom, there was another another scenario where you couldn't come off the ice? <laughs> well, there's no doubt that coaching changes can have an effect on on you know play. Like we've seen, I think we saw with with Daryl Sutter last year. Uh, you know, there were guys that both ways guys that were kind of in the doghouse um, in Calgary. And then, you know, when the coaching change was made, they came out of that doghouse and all of a sudden were playing great. Uh, Sam Bennett's example of, you know, the coaching change came by way of getting moved uh, to a, to a new team and look at the way he took off uh, with kind of a new lease on life. So 
I think that as a GM, you would look at that. Uh, sometimes it's, it's completely unpredictable, uh, but I think sometimes you can kind of consciously think about that question and, and say, okay, these are two or three key guys that are not performing up to our capabilities. Perhaps a coaching change could bring more out of them. Uh, you know, I think that that's definitely something that I think GMs would, uh, would weigh for sure. Hey, Dom, we really appreciate your time and your insight, man. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Dom. Dominic Moore, NHL analyst and uh, regular contributor here on Real Kipper and Bourne. Uh, quickly, JB, is uh, the New York Rangers smoking mirrors here or they turn themselves into a contender? Smoking mirrors. Not buying it. No, you're not, eh? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Listen, they have a lot of talent on that team. There's no denying Zibanejad's a talent. And, you know, Lafreniere is starting to come around, obviously. Panarin and Fox. like the, Shesterkin, to me, is the team. Every team has a few guys you can name that can play well. They have, you know, I mentioned Demko being one of the best goalies in the league. Well, Shesterkin might be. It's him and Vasilevsky probably one, two, maybe Hellebuck. You know, as I said, Demko. I almost named the five best. Okay, so what does smoke and mirrors mean for you? One and out? Because I think I can believe in this team to to find themselves into a conference final. Really? Yeah, I do. And uh, Is it the change in physicality for you that makes you yes, a believer? Yeah. It is. It and you know what it is, too? I've turned into a, a Jacob Truba fan, and I was not in Winnipeg, yeah. and I was not early uh, with the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. But I, I see a real leader here. I, I see a guy that can, can be a captain for the New York Rangers in Jacob Truba. I'm watching them last night again, have a physical presence. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's to me right now, he's the closest for my era of a Scott Stevens. And even if it's a really poor one in, in 2021, this guy's got the making of, of, of being a face of that blue line. Yeah, I mean, we know Fox is because of his pure talent, but you know, if if Fox is Scott Niedermeyer, then Truba could be a Scott Stevens. You know, there's almost something top heavy about the Rangers for me, Kipper. That kind of reminds me of the Leafs, um, and I don't like the Rangers' depth as much. You know, where after you know, I know. Um, Dom was just saying he really likes Dryden Hunt, but, you know, rolling out a fourth line with Greg McKegg and Kevin Rooney, you know, there, there's some D-men, Libor Hayek and Zach Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that this is a good hockey team, but I think the Metro was worse than we thought it was going to be going into this season. Like, I thought there was going to be a lot of very good teams in the Metro division. Uh, you know, Carolina's very good and Washington's good. Otherwise, it's a pretty flawed division. I think the Rangers have had everything go right this season with great goaltending. Okay, let's take a quick break because we're going to get Jack Campbell, Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender, and uh, hey, say what you will about the Matthews and the Marners of the world, Matt, but uh, this guy is the most popular player on the hockey club, bar bar none, and he's had an amazing run in such a short period of time since being traded from the Los Angeles Kings to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So live and in person, Jack Campbell after the break. We're also in the second hour, want to get into Owen Power and uh, and where he is now and sounding like it's a real legitimate thing that he's going to end up representing Canada in the Olympics. I want to get into that and Carey Price and not moving as well as he'd like when it comes to getting ready to play 
Uh, is the setback enough for the Montreal Canadiens and Carey Price to revisit whether or not he'll come back at all this season? So much more on Real Kipper and Bourne coming up after the break. 